So this morning, I want to talk just for a second about how we as a church, we as a people can in our hearts be ready to say yes to God. And so this morning, I'm gonna give you three specific things I think that get in the way of you as a believer following through with what God has called you to do. And I've identified those basically as roadblocks that get in the way of you saying yes to God. See, we serve a God who's speaking at all times. We serve a God who is moving in our world. We serve a God who wants to communicate with his people. But as he communicates us, as he communicates with us, the response that we need to have as God's children at the end of the day is simply to say yes to him. So if you open up your Bibles, I'm gonna be out of Exodus this morning. I'm gonna start with Exodus three as an example of how God speaks to us. And then we're gonna work through Moses's interactions with God as lessons for us to understand how we can learn from his mistakes to be more like the people that God wants us to be so we can say yes to him. So Exodus chapter three, verse three is the starting point with this conversation because it is a great picture of how God is always speaking to us and how he initially began to speak to Moses. So Exodus chapter three, verse three says this. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Now you may say, why Corey did you start with this? Why did you make mention of this passage to begin with? I make mention of this passage to begin with because God will do everything in his power to get our attention, even if it means speaking through a burning bush. But more importantly, in the way that God speaks to us, I want us to look at the response when God speaks to us. So one of the reasons why I think we don't follow God, and this comes straight from this story, the very first roadblock I think that we have is that we feel disqualified. There are times in your life to where you know God has spoken to you, but yet you feel disqualified and, and, and we're just like Moses because look what he says in Exodus 3, verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt. Those first three words are what get him hung up in saying yes to God. Because what does he say here? He says, who am I? It's interesting whenever you think about that question, because I don't think Moses is the last person to ever feel as if we need to ask God, who am I? Because there's been times in, in my life, probably times in your life, to where you know God has put someone in your path and he's saying, I want you to have a conversation with this person about what it means to have a relationship with me. And you think to yourself, who am I to have that conversation with them? They've seen me at my worst. They've seen me when I'm at the bottom of the rung. They've seen me when I'm struggling. God, who am I to be your messenger to them because I am disqualified to speak to them? There are some of you in this room, you have a family member who is not walking with Christ in the manner of which you know that God wants them to live. You maybe have a family member who has turned their back on your families, turned their back on their faith, has turned their back on the journey that God has with them. And you know today, God is tapping you on the shoulder saying, I want you to have a conversation with them to try to restore them to the faith. And you look at the Lord and you say, who am I? 
Because this family member has seen you not at your best. This family member has seen you maybe when you're not necessarily thriving in your spiritual journey and therefore you're feeling disqualified and that is what's hindering you from saying yes to God. The reality is in the Christian faith, if God's calling you, your focus should not be on the past. Look what it, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. If there's been a point in time in your life to where you've given your heart and your life to Jesus, if there's been a point to where you bowed your knee and you asked Christ to forgive you of your sins and for him to come into your life and to yield your heart to him and follow him with all the days of your life, then friend, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. I can remember whenever I was baptized, not in a beautiful baptistry like you have, um, but I was baptized in a baptistry, not again, like I said, not near as beautiful in the first Baptist church of Gainesville, Texas, where I grew up. And I can remember just like these folks did today. I can remember walking in the water and I can remember being held under and coming back up. And I can remember the pastor saying, you know, buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. You remember that phrase? If you, if you know that phrase, you grew up in a Baptist church, right? But as I was sitting here this morning rejoicing with these two that are following in obedience to God's command to get baptized, I thought about this passage today because it is a beautiful picture of the old you being buried under the water, the old you being gone, dead, being done with, and the new you coming up. So if God is calling you to say yes to him, if God's calling you to do something on your behalf, remember, if you're a child of God, the old is gone the new has come. Sometimes we focus on the past because we forget that Christ has purified us from our sins. Look what he says in 1 John chapter 1, verse nine. If we confess to our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I mentioned a few moments ago that I grew up in Gainesville, Texas. Outside of Gainesville, there was a, a blooming metropolis by the name of Callisburg, Texas, right? My grandparents lived in Callisburg. My grandfather on my mom's side was a, he sold pump jacks and then was also a cattle rancher. So we grew up having fresh beef. We didn't know farm to table was a thing back then, but it was great back then. And one of the things that happened at my grandparents' house was they had a sink and there was two faucets. There was a faucet in the middle and then there was a faucet on the side that had this little kind of spigot that came up. And it was a little lever that you would kind of raise up when you wanted water. And my grandmother growing up, she was like, Corey, don't ever drink water out of this faucet, only drink water out of this little spigot that comes up. Well, I can remember like the very brilliant, wise, and maybe a little smart aleck 13 and 14 year old one day, thought to myself, I wonder if Mima Lewis really knows what's best for me. And rather than drinking this little spigot water, I'm just gonna drink regular water from the faucet. I know this was back before when you could drink regular water and you weren't paying $2 a bottle for it, right? You're right, it's a sermon for another day, right? So anyway, and I can remember getting that cup, I can remember raising the lever, I can remember putting it under that faucet that wasn't the filtered water. I can remember dropping down the top and I can remember taking a drink of this unfiltered water. And to this day, I can go back to that moment 30 something years ago and remember the terrible taste that that put in my mouth. Because the reality was they had pumped this well water from below the surface and the water that we were supposed to drink as a family went through this purification process 
And that water that came, when you left it up the liver, purified all of that, got all of that junk, got all of that nasty stuff below the ground in Cook County to make it suitable to drink. Friends, when I think about this passage, that's what I think about. Because at our core, who we are is dirty. At our core, who we are is sinful. Before Jesus, that's who we were, but praise God, he has purified us. He has removed all that gets in the way of us being used for him when we give our hearts and lives to Jesus. At the end of the day, our focus should not be on us, but rather our focus should be on the cross. I love the fact this morning as I was sitting there in the first service thinking about all the beautiful crosses that you have in your church. And it was a wonderful picture, a wonderful reminder as to really at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That right there, that cross, that picture changed the whole trajectory of our lives, that changed the whole trajectory of our world. And when our focus is on the cross, then we can follow through with what God's called us to be and be more willing to say yes to him. So this morning, if you know God's speaking to you and you know God is calling you to do something with other people on his behalf, don't ask God, who am I? Don't be disqualified. Remember God saved you. Remember God loves you and wants to use you to do great things for him. So I think one of the first reasons we don't follow God is because we feel disqualified. But I think the second reason why we don't say yes to God is because we think that we are alone. We think that we're all by ourselves, supposed to do what God's called us to do. Look what Moses said in Exodus chapter four, verse one. It says, they will never believe me or listen to me, Moses protested. They will say the Lord didn't appear to you. Notice in that passage, there are three personal pronouns. Me, me, didn't appear to you. There are three personal things that Moses said, hey, if I'm going to act on your behalf, if I'm gonna do something for you, God, they're not gonna believe me because they're gonna say he didn't really appear to you. Notice how Moses goes from where God is the center to what happens, he is in the center. So I sometimes think that we don't say yes, we don't follow God because we somehow think that we are alone. I love here in Exodus two through four, how all of a sudden Moses tries to put the focus on himself instead of God. Look what he says in Exodus chapter four, verse two through four. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses answered, it is my walking stick. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Moses ran from the snake, but the Lord said to him, reach out and grab the snake by its tail. When Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, it again became a stick in his hand. Why in the world am I reading that passage today? Is it about the fact that the stick becomes a snake, the snake becomes a stick? No, I wanna read this passage today because it is a wonderful picture and a wonderful reminder that God will give us all we need to accomplish what he wants when our focus is on him. What's interesting in this passage is because it's almost as if Moses is trying to tell God that he's not willing to do what he wants him to do as if he's trying to convince God that he made a mistake. It's almost as if whenever Moses says, but God, I can't really do this. This is not really what I'm good at. It's almost as if Moses expected God to say, you know what, dadgummit, I forgot about that. You're right. You're exactly right. But I love God's response to Moses' doubt because God says, let me show you the strength that I can give to accomplish that which it is I've called you to say yes to. You know, this morning, I think there's some of us in this room that know that we've got business that we need to do with God. 
And it may, it's one thing, like I said, to feel disqualified. It's another thing to think that we are alone in this. Sometimes people feel like they can't do what God's called them to do because they forget about if God's calling you to do it, he's gonna give you what you need to accomplish that. And you know, sometimes we think about what God's calling us to do and we look outward and we think I need to witness to my neighbor or I need to have this conversation with my family. I need to give grace and forgiveness to this situation. But you know, sometimes there are things down deep within our heart that God wants to do business with. Sometimes there are certain things that are keeping us back from living the life that God calls us to do. Maybe there's some bitterness, maybe there's some secret sin, maybe there's some addictions, maybe there's some things going on inside of us to where we know God's calling, to, calling us to say yes to him and dealing with that, but we don't really do business with what's going on inside of us because we think that we are alone in trying to fix that what is hindering us from living the life that God called us to live. Matthew 16, 24, I love what Jesus says, that Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, that picture that Jesus is beginning to describe with his mouth is something later on in his journey he exhibited when he actually grabbed the physical cross and carried it on our behalf, denied himself for the good of us. So what is it today, friend, that you need to deny yourself for? What is it today, friend, that is holding you back? What is it today that you need to take up your cross, take up Christ's cross and follow him? Don't think that you're alone in this, but remember that God's power is available to us through the Holy Spirit. Look what happens in Exodus 4.10. Again, continue, I love with this with Moses, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord, I'm just not a good speaker. I never have been, and I'm not now, even after you've spoken to me, I'm clumsy with my words. Again, notice how Moses is saying, God, are you sure you want me to do this? Because in case you haven't realized, I stuttered just a little bit. It's almost as if Moses is trying to say, I cannot do this. My focus is on me and my shortcomings and my weaknesses, and I can't follow through with what you've called me to do. As believers, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that's available to us. Look what Jesus said in John 14, 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So friend, if Christ has become the Lord and Savior of your life, if there's been a point to where you've knelt your knee and you've asked Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and to make you a new person, then his Holy Spirit indwells inside of you. And it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can accomplish all that he wants you to do, whether it is something outward or whether it's something inward that you need to deal with. And in 2019, um, God led our family uh, to Howard Penn University to begin serving as president there. And one of the wonderful blessings and honors of serving as a president at Howard Payne is to live on campus in the president's house. And Baptist institutions, that's what they do. In fact, most, most schools, they have a home for the president. So that way you're there and, and can host groups and have different things. So we moved into the president's home and the house that we get to live in was built in 1902, okay? So let's just say it's been around a while. Am I right? You're right? So Melinda, she's a wonderful decorator. And so what she wanted to do well, since our kids had only lived in Waxahachie, which is where we moved from, if you could spell Waxahachie, I'll buy you lunch, by the way, afterwards, right? So, 
So we're moving from Waxahachie to Brownwood and my son was gonna be in the eighth grade. My daughter was gonna be a senior in high school, which, you know, if you wanna win dad of the year, don't move your senior daughter right before her senior year over the course of the summer. Uh, that's a sermon for another day, right? But, but one of the things that happened during that experience is Melinda wanted to make the house comfortable and the kids to feel right at home. So my son at the time was really into gaming and so wanted to make a game room for him. And so she'd found these road signs that we were gonna hang up on the different walls around kind of his game room to make him feel comfortable and make it nice for him. So I can remember that I, here I am, again, this house is built in 1902. I have this road sign that she purchased and was gonna hang it on the wall. So I get my nice, very powerful cordless DeWalt drill and I'm gonna hang this sign into this wall. So I get the drill, get the screw, whole nine yards to go after it, go to hit the trigger and nothing happens, right? Nothing happens. So I think to myself, you know what? I probably should go get one of those drills that you gotta plug in and get a little more oomph for it and maybe that'll work. Again, house built in 1902, screws didn't really just go in like they go in sheetrock today. So I go get the, the drill, plug it in, run it into the room, get the screw, get everything lined up, I hit it and what happens? Snug, snug like that. Friends, as, it's, as I am standing here before you today, it was in that moment I almost felt as if God whispered in my ear, don't ever forget that aside from the power that I give you, you can do things on your own. Because the reality is, as I was working off of a cordless drill, thinking that I had enough power to accomplish the goal that I had, but when I was able to take that drill and plug it into the power source that was flowing through that house, I had the juice that I need to accomplish the goal that I had. And that is same is true for us today. Too many times we rely on our own strength. Too many times we rely on our own battery. Too many times we rely on that which we think we need to do what God called us to do. When he says my power through the Holy Spirit is readily and available to you, but you gotta tap into it to do all that God wants you to do. So if God's calling you to do something, I hope first and foremost that you won't feel disqualified, but I also hope that you won't put you in the center and think that it's about you, but rather realize that it's about the power of the Holy Spirit because you are not alone. God's given you gifts to accomplish all that he wants you to do. Romans 12, six says it pretty plainly. God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. If God's calling you to do something, if he wants you to accomplish something for his glory, for his credit, for his kingdom, the reality is he's gonna give you all that you need to accomplish that which you need, not for your glory, but rather for his. So in Moses' life, he didn't follow God, first off, because he felt disqualified. Secondly, because he thought he was alone. But I'm gonna imagine most of us are in the third kind of Hendrick roadblock, and that is simply, we are unwilling. Look what Moses, after he goes back and forth through this whole chapter, says to God in Exodus chapter four, verse 13. But Moses said, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. That neighbor that you've been driving by their home every day for two years, that God is prompting you to invite them to church, stop asking God to send someone because you drive by them every single day. That family member who you know God is prompting in your heart to have a conversation with. Stop asking God to send someone else to do it, friend, and just say yes and do all that God 
is calling you to do. So this, my friends, honestly, is the scariest one of them all for me personally. Because you're here on a Sunday morning, you've made a commitment to get up, all of you look nice, get dressed very nice, drive to campus, come into service. So you're here, you made a commitment. So, so you probably understand, okay, yeah, I'm not really disqualified because I understand that, yeah, Christ has forgiven me. And maybe you realize even that, yeah, you're not alone. If God calls you to do something, at the end of the day, you're gonna rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. You're probably good on the first two. But in this service, on this morning, most of us probably fall into this category and we're like, I just, I just don't wanna do it. We're unwilling. My hope and my prayer is that today we will ask ourselves, what do we want our lives to be about? Do we wanna be a yes for the Lord or a no for the Lord? You know the story in the New Testament about the rich young ruler where he, he comes to Jesus and he says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus turns to him and he says, you know, you need to obey all of the commandments. And he says, hey, I got those, I've, I've done those. And Jesus says, you know what? Actually for you, you need to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And it says, because he had much, he turned and he walked away. Now, fast forward, if you can, to the end of his life. Do you think when he's at the end of his life, do you think he looks back and has regret that he didn't say yes? Or do you think that he looks back and is pleased that he turned away from God? Friends, I believe if he had the ability to look back, he would regret that he missed out on saying yes to God. Think about for a second in the New Testament. Peter's the disciple that we know as Peter, right? The most outspoken, think, speak before you think guy, bold faith. He's in the boat. Jesus says, you know, once you come on out here. And what does he do? Scripture says that he steps out on the water, begins to walk on water. Think about the end of his life. Do you think he looked back and he says, man, when I trusted God and I followed him and I put my eyes on him, I was able to walk on water. Think about the joy and the excitement and the fulfillment and the exhilaration he had because when God said yes, he trusted and he followed. I don't know about you, but I would much rather be Peter than the rich young man. May today this be a church, may today this be a room full of people that when the question comes, will you, the answer is not, I'm disqualified. The answer is not, I think I'm alone. The answer is not that you're not willing. May this be a room full of people that simply say yes to God. God, I love you and I thank you for this morning. And I thank you for your word that's very clear about what you've called us to do as your people. And God, this morning, I know that this is a room full of people coming from a variety of backgrounds. But God, I know in this room, your spirit is moving and working all around. And God, there are people in this room who very clearly know what you're calling them to do. And God, today, that which they think you're calling them to do, God, today, I pray they would be willing to say yes to you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to sit there today. I want you to ask yourself, what is it God is saying to you today? I think in this room right now today, there are people that very clearly have heard God say, I want you to witness to this neighbor. I want you to talk to this friend. Some of us internally, God wants to do serious business with us. 
There are things that you're holding back. There's secret sins. There's, there's pride. There's a lack of forgiveness. There are things internally that you need to say yes to deal with God. And so today, my hope and my prayer for you in this room that know what it is God wants you to do. My prayer for you today is that you would say yes to whatever that is God wants you to do.